0: well good morning church my name is Sam Guy and I'm one of the ministers here uh, last week my wife Laura launched her new sermon series Road Trips where we are talking about some of the most famous road trip stories in the Bible and how they can shape our journey with God and with one another And I'm telling you, it was a phenomenal sermon, and I encourage you to watch it on YouTube or on the church website when you get the chance. Uh, Laurel, she did a great job of setting up what this sermon series is all about. She talked about the tabernacle, this portable, majestic tent where God's presence went on the road continually with God's people. And as Laurel explained, the tabernacle shows us that God is committed to journeying with us wherever we go on the road through every mountaintop and valley, through every smooth drive and bumpy road. God is with us, and God is for us. Now, when I was a kid, my family, we loved going on road trips. Every summer, my family would plan where we would go, the sights we would see, and the adventures we were going to have. And by the time I was heading off to college, we had visited every single state in the continental U.S., And I'm telling you, those were some of the most memorable moments in my life. We visited New York City, the Smoky Mountains, Crater Lake, Zion National Park, Chicago, Yellowstone, New Orleans, and so many other incredible places. And those road trips, like I said, were some of the most memorable moments in my life. But what's interesting is that A lot of those most memorable moments on those road trips, they didn't happen at some famous landmark or tourist trap. Often while we were traveling to our main destination, we would encounter something surprising, startling, or even frustrating along the way. It was this massive herd of sea lions laying on the California coast, and as we were driving by, my parents pulled off the road so we could check them out. It was this massive black bear that was sprinting down a mountain, ran across the West Virginia turnpike, barely missing our car, then diving off into the brush below. And sometimes it was a lot less fun, like a flat tire that added six agonizingly boring hours to our trip. And yet as a kid there was something so cool about seeing my mom and dad work together in the hotel parking lot trying to put on the spare so we could get back on the road. Sometimes something amazing, startling or even frustrating happens on a road trip and it changes the way you see the rest of the trip. You went off on your journey expecting one thing but then something surprising happened and now you view the entire journey very differently. Sometimes the interruption can actually be more meaningful than the original planned trip. And that is exactly what is going to happen in the Bible story we are looking at today. We are going to be exploring a story from the life of Jesus, which is, in many ways, a classic Jesus story. Uh, Someone is in trouble, Jesus learns about it, and he goes to help them. But in this story, as Jesus is on this road trip, going to help this person, something interrupts the journey. We find the story in the second book of the New Testament, the Gospel according to Mark. Now, there are four Gospels in the New Testament, and each of them tells the story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in their own unique way. And the Gospel of Mark follows right after the Gospel according to Matthew. So if you would like to follow along in your Bibles or on your Bible apps, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 5, verse 21. You can also type in Mark five twenty one into your web browser. And when you see Bible Gateway pop up on the list of different uh, websites you can go to, just click on that and you'll be in the text. So here's where we are in the story so far in Mark. Jesus is very early on in his ministry. Uh, he's gone around, taught in some synagogues, healed some people, and proclaimed the good news of God's kingdom. And although it is very early on in Jesus' ministry he has a very well-established reputation as a popular rabbi and healer. And as Jesus is getting out of a fishing boat after sailing on the Sea of Galilee, this massive crowd begins to form around him. And that is where our story begins in Mark chapter 5, verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded with him earnestly, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him and a large crowd followed and pressed around him. So notice how the story begins. Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, has a young daughter who is on death's door. And he is so desperate that the second he hears that Jesus has arrived by the Sea of Galilee, he sprints over there, falls at Jesus' feet, and begs Jesus to help him. And without a second's hesitation, Jesus goes with Jairus on the road to heal his little girl. And like I said, this is a typical setup for a Jesus story. Someone's in trouble. Jesus hears about it, and he goes to help. But like I said also, as Jesus is walking on the road, rushing to heal Jairus' dying daughter, something happens that changes the way we view the entire road trip. Look at what happens in the story in verse 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had... But instead of getting better, she actually grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around the crowd and asked Who touched my clothes? Now, notice what the text tells us about this woman in the crowd who reached out and dared to touch Jesus. She had suffered from a menstrual disorder that caused her to bleed continually for 12 years straight. And this condition, it was scary, it was embarrassing, and it was so costly. The text tells us that she was an extremely wealthy woman in some ways because she had seen dozens of doctors. And in the Bible period that we're in, most people could barely afford one doctor. But this woman, desperate for answers, she goes to doctor after doctor and receives treatment after treatment, and nothing works. She spends everything for a cure. And it all fails, and everyone knows it. But all of that physical, emotional, and financial pain, it has nothing on the spiritual pain this woman was experiencing. You see, her, her, um, her menstrual disorder, it made her ritually unclean. And that changed how she related to God and to God's people. In the Old Testament book of Leviticus, we see that God gave God's chosen people, Israel, instructions on ritual purity, how they could draw near to God unlike any other nation on the planet. Part of the instructions concerned ritual purity. How could you stay pure so you could draw near to God in the temple or in the tabernacle? Now, dead bodies, skin diseases, and certain bodily fluids, all of those could make you ritually unclean. And menstrual bleeding and menstrual disorders fell into that category. So the bleeding woman in our story who is ritually unclean, in that situation, that means she cannot go to the temple where God's presence is well known on the earth, where God's people come to gather to worship and celebrate. And what that means is she cannot worship God the way that she was intended to. She can't go to the temple and sing songs to God. She can't go to the temple and offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and for the forgiveness of sin to God. She can't go to the festivals and celebrate with her friends and family and how God has been so good to God's people Israel. And this happens for 12 long years. And worse than that, the community around her in her own hometown there they're going to be avoiding her too because if you come in contact with someone with a menstrual disorder who is unclean, that makes you unclean too. And that means you too can't go to the temple. You too can't sing to God with your family and go to the festivals. So everyone in the crowd that is surrounding Jesus at this moment, they understand that a woman with a menstrual disorder is a dangerous source of spiritual contamination. And the bleeding woman in the middle of this massive crowd, she has reached out and dared to touch Jesus. And now Jesus is asking, who has done this? And now Jesus' followers respond as the story continues. Jesus, you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, she came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. This woman, who had suffered physically, financially, socially, and spiritually for 12 long years, has come forward shaking with fear. And honestly, I don't blame her. Here she is, this impoverished, isolated, spiritually contaminated woman, and she has gone and interrupted Jesus on his way to help a much more powerful, male, wealthy synagogue leader. She has reached out and touched Jesus, and beyond that, that means Jesus might be ritually impure too. She waits for Jesus to lay into her for her rash interruption, and then Jesus speaks in verse 34. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. No condemnation, no anger, no rebuke. Jesus looks at this woman who, is, who has interrupted his road trip and instead of laying into her, instead of being harsh, he calls her daughter and sends her away completely healed, completely purified, and completely loved. And when Jesus announces to the crowd for this woman that her faith has healed her, it's more than just a physical healing. This healing is also social, and it is spiritual. The Greek word behind this word healed is the Greek verb sozo. And sozo can refer to so much more than just physical healing. Throughout the New Testament and the Greek language, this verb can be translated to rescue, to save, to deliver, to make whole, to make something the way that it was intended to be. And so when Jesus goes to this woman and says, your faith has healed you, has sozoed you, you could also translate the verse something like this daughter, your faith has rescued you. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has restored you to what you were intended to be. This woman had suffered for 12 long years. She couldn't go to the temple, and now finally she can. She can go and sing songs to God and worship God through song, through prayer, through the offering of sacrifices. She can go to the festivals with her family and friends, and she will no longer be isolated from her community and her hometown, all because she had the faith and trust to reach out and touch Jesus. And Jesus declared her saved. Now, think back to Jairus. And how differently Jairus and this woman approach Jesus. Jairus, a powerful man, he directly approaches Jesus and asks for the healing that his daughter needs. The bleeding woman, on the other hand, she comes to Jesus for healing, but secretly. You see, she fervently believed that Jesus could heal her, but she wanted to be healed without interrupting Jesus. She believed that she was not worth Jesus' time. She thought she could quickly touch Jesus' robes, experience the healing, and then fade back into the crowd. She didn't expect Jesus to suddenly turn around and begin looking for her. She shook and trembled because she believed she wasn't worth Jesus' time, because Jesus was busy doing so much more important things than worrying about this woman. And some of us here today feel like that woman. Some of us have come to church believing that we are an unwelcome interruption to Jesus and this church. Some of you have been carrying hurt and shame and pain for decades. Just like this bleeding woman. You look upon your struggling marriage, your damaged friendships, your anger problems, your debilitating fears, your financial struggles, your sorrow and your agony, and you want healing. You want peace, but you don't want to interrupt Jesus in the process. Like the bleeding woman, you feel contaminated, and you've come to church feeling that if Jesus actually noticed you, he might just reject you because of who you think you are. And if that's you today, I want you to know that this story proves you cannot interrupt Jesus you cannot interrupt Jesus. It is impossible to interrupt Jesus. I mean, think about it. In this story, when this woman touches Jesus and is healed, Jesus could have ignored the power going out of him. He could have kept on walking because time was of the essence after all, right? I mean, a little girl's life is on the line. If Jesus doesn't hurry, this little girl is going to die, And yet when the power goes out of him, Jesus knows that something is happening, that God's spirit is moving in a powerful way. And so he stops and he turns around and he looks upon this trembling woman. She looked at herself and she saw an unwanted interruption. But Jesus looked at her and he saw his beloved daughter, his beloved child. And you need to know today that that is exactly how God sees you too. You are not an interruption. You are not a disruption. You are not a distraction. You are a beloved child of God and God wants healing for you but that is not all God wants for you. God wants you to know just like the bleeding woman that you are seen by God. God wants you to hear the words that Jesus spoke to that woman now directed towards you. My beloved child, your faith, your trust has saved you, has restored you, has made you whole, has sozoed you. Now, in this worship center and online, we find ourselves in a large crowd, just like the bleeding woman. And you might be tempted to sink back into the crowd unnoticed, I mean, it can be so tempting to come to church, to worship, to hear the sermon, to take communion, to sing and experience some healing, and yet never truly experience authentic Christian community. You have reached out to Jesus just like the bleeding woman, and now like Jesus, our church wants to reach out and turn and look upon you and say, child, your faith has saved you. Here at FCC, we want everyone to hear those words of Jesus and believe them. We want to be a place where everyone experiences healing and comes into relationship with God and God's people. We don't just want to have healing here in the worship center and online. We want so much more than that. We want to create authentic Christian community where we recognize one another as God's children. And one of the ways we do that around here is through small groups in these groups we come together as god's children and we gather and we pray for one another we eat with one another we serve with one another and we care for one another and we love one another and this summer there are plenty of groups to choose from that are happening so we encourage you if you are not in a group or a sunday school class stop by the connections kiosk after the service and explore some options there and listen i i know that can be scary i know that's intimidating The bleeding woman was terrified, too, when Jesus began to look for her. But she found the courage to reveal herself. She found the courage to stand up and make herself known. And when she did, that woman experienced true healing and restoration and community for the first time in 12 long years. And maybe that could be your story, too. Because you are not an unwanted interruption. You are a beloved child of God whom God longs to heal and bring into God's family. But the road trip doesn't end here. Remember that we also have Jesus on his way to heal Jairus' daughter when the bleeding woman interrupts the journey. But then this interruption gets also interrupted by another interruption. While Jesus is speaking to his beloved daughter, In the middle of the road, some people come forward from Jairus' home and they have the worst possible news. They say this in verse 35 Jairus, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Jesus took too long. They were rushing to save Jairus' daughter and out of nowhere, Jesus let some spiritually contaminated, reckless woman slow him down and she wasn't even dying and now Jairus' daughter is dead. I mean, can you imagine how Jairus must have felt in that moment? They're rushing over to his home trying to save his dying little girl and then suddenly Jesus stops to hear this woman's life story. And talk with her and call her daughter. And the whole time, Jairus is just staring in disbelief, wanting Jesus to move. He wants Jesus to stop in his heart right now. Jairus' heart, it is racing. His foot is tapping. And his eyes are glaring at Jesus saying, what are you doing? Can't we get on the road? My little girl is going to die. Jairus has seconds. Every second counts. And now he's just lost too many seconds. Jesus took too long. God took too long. And now Jairus' little girl is gone. I mean, if Jesus had just gone a little bit faster, maybe he could have saved her. Jairus had waited on God, and God had disappointed him. And you got to remember, this is very early on in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus, he's you know, healed some people. Preached in some synagogues, proclaimed God's kingdom. But raising the dead? No one expects Jesus to be able to do that. And so when Jairus' friends say what they say to him, they're just saying exactly what everyone else is thinking It is too late. You know, we live in a world that is filled with voices that say it's too late. Voices that say it's too late to save your marriage. Too late for those with a terminal disease. Too late for those who need to be saved. Too late to forgive. Too late to be forgiven. Too late to overcome that addiction. Too late for the world to change. Too late for the innocent who have suffered and died without justice. The voices of too late in this world, they declare that this world we live in is filled with decay and destruction and death. The voices of too late declare that all joy in this life will end in the sorrow of the grave. And in this broken world, we hear the voices of too late everywhere, whether it be on social media, on TV, at work, in our friend groups, and even in our own families. And we're so tempted to believe those voices just like Jairus. Jesus overhears these voices of too late. And he knows how Jairus feels. He knows that Jairus is on the very edge of despair, about to return home, to give up on this road trip, the defeated father of a dead little girl. And then Jesus speaks in verse 34. Don't be afraid. Just trust. Two verses earlier, Jesus announced to this bleeding woman that her faith and trust had saved her. She had suffered 12 long years and her trust, her faith in God had saved her. And now Jesus looks to Jairus and says, you see that woman? You see the trust she has? I need you to have that right now. Don't be afraid. Just trust. It is never too late. And now Jairus, he has to choose between two very different voices. The voices of too late or the alternative voice of Jesus. And Jairus chooses the second, just like the bleeding woman on the road. Jesus and Jairus, they continue their road trip and they enter into Jairus' home. And once again, they hear the voices of too late. They hear wailing and crying and moaning because the little girl has died. And Jesus goes to these people and says, don't be afraid, don't worry. She is not dead, she is only asleep. And the voices of too late respond by laughing at Jesus. But Jairus continues to trust. Jairus, his wife, Jesus, and his disciples, they go into the room where Jairus' dead little girl lay. And then the scriptures tell us this. Jesus took her by the hand and said, Talitha, kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told, her, told them to give her something to eat. Death had claimed Jairus' daughter. But when Jesus entered the picture, he defeated death by gently holding a little girl's hand and saying, little one, it's time to get up now. The God we worship is so powerful Powerful and so mighty that death, the most all-powerful, cruel, all-consuming force in nature, he was able to defeat it with just a tender wake-up call. Up to the moment Jesus took that little girl's hand, Jairus continually heard the voices of too late, urging Jairus to give up, but despite his fears he continued to follow the example of the bleeding woman on the road and trusted in jesus the bleeding woman's faith jairus's faith and the power of god revealed the story that the voices of too late they are wrong it is never too late when we hear the voices of too late," It is so tempting to believe them because so often it looks like the voices are right. We look around in this world where there is war and death and violence and all of the evidence seems to point to the fact that the voices of too late are right. We, th- we want to internalize it sometimes and we want to give in and say, the voices of too late are right. My marriage is too far gone. The voices of too late are Right? My relationship with my child, it's too broken. The death of my spouse, the loss of my friend, it is too much. The voices of too late are right. The social, political, climate, and all of these other problems in the world, they are too great to overcome. Nothing can change. It really is too late. And if you feel tempted today to give into the voices of too late, I urge you Brothers and sisters in Christ, don't give in. I urge you, listen to the alternative voice of Jesus and what he said to Jairus and know that God's Spirit right now is saying that through God's word to you. Don't be afraid. Just trust. The God we worship can restore anything can make whole anything, can sozo anything. When we look at this world and all of the brokenness, we must learn to trust in the God who raises the dead. And when sorrow and pain and agony and fear and anxiety and hurt enter into our lives, we need to remember what God's word promised God's people so long ago in the book of Revelation. I saw a new heaven, And a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. No longer any chaos. No longer any violence or power in the world that could ever separate us from the love of God. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place is now among the people and God will dwell with them and they will be God's people and God will be with them and be their God and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Trust in the God who raises the dead trust in the God who promises to restore all things and make a new heaven and a new earth where there is no more death, no more crying, no more mourning, no more pain. The God who healed the bleeding woman, the God who raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, and the God who resurrected Jesus Christ. That God is in the world today, moving through His spirit to restore broken hearts, heal doomed relationships, overcome evil and draw the world closer to the, to the day, when God is going to completely reverse death and bring the world to what it was supposed to be, the sum of all things in Christ. And that means what God does not heal in this old creation, God will heal in the new creation. We have to trust, knowing that God can and will restore, rescue, make whole, and sozo all things. If that is the God revealed in Jesus Christ, then we don't need to be afraid anymore. Sorrow and death are not the end of the story. The God who raises the dead tells us otherwise. So don't be afraid. Reject the voices of too late and accept the voice of Jesus because it is never too late. Sometimes road trips have surprising interruptions. But those interruptions, they have the power to give us new perspective, a new perspective that can change our lives and reshape everything about what we're doing right now. New perspective that leads us to see the road trip in a whole new light. For Jairus, that was the bleeding woman on the road. Her faith, it transformed everything. In that moment, Jairus learned to trust in God. And his whole journey, his whole life story was transformed. And on this road trip of life for us, just like Jairus, we are going to hear the voices of too late all the time. The diagnosis, death, pain, the brokenness of different relationships, but in that moment, maybe this moment is the moment in your journey where you've heard the interruption too, where you realize that there is an alternative voice, the voice of Jesus that calls you child and says, it is never too late. Maybe this Jesus story is the interruption on your own life journey that changes everything. The interruption on the road trip that leads you to recognize that God calls you God's child and invites you to not be afraid and just trust in Jesus. Because you cannot interrupt Jesus. He is ready for you and he promises you that it is never too late. Let us pray. Oh God. We thank you for your love for us and to know that when we look at ourselves as interruptions, you say no. You look at us and call us children. We are not interruptions. We are children of God. And you taught us through the story, through the words of the gospel of Mark that it really is never too late. Jairus was on the verge of giving up, but the example of that bleeding woman changed everything. And so I pray you would teach us to not be afraid, to follow the example of this bleeding woman. The fact that she reached out and said, I will be healed if I touch him. I will trust in this. Oh God, I pray that you would give all of us that faith in this room right now. Help us be like Jairus. And when everything seemed lost and broken, He decided to change, to listen to the alternative voice of Jesus, the voice that says it is never too late, and reject all the voices that said otherwise, because we trust in your resurrection power in the new creation, knowing you are good. We love you, and we pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, who is alive right now. Amen.